You're listening to PodcastJuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prince Podcast here on PodcastJuice.net. We are back with a doozy. We're going to get into Sign of the Times album. This is going to be a two-parter. First part, we're going to talk about the actual album itself, go through the tracks as we do. And then next week, we will get into the aftermath and the pre-math of the album, how it came to be, what it meant for his career, all that good stuff. But before we go any further, introduce our panel of experts in, in this conversation. First and foremost, a welcome home to the Podcast Juice Arena. Home is Mr. Day Dropping. How are you, sir? I am doing well, Mike. Happy to be back and happy to be helping you guys out with, with this excellent, beautiful, 100% Ginormous, crazy album. Love it. Yes, sir. And Mr. Big Sexy and Sack, how are you, sir? You know, I am doing well, but I got to tell you, it's a little cold in California right now. I'm not digging this. Ah, must be some of my Seattle weather down there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, new to the Prince podcast, which you might have been on the last podcast, if I'm not mistaken. But Mr. Our resident movie reviewer and also Super Prince fan, Mr. Sean Hill, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. All right, and welcome to the show. Big shout out to our member who is not here today, Big Ken. Uh, couldn't make it. Hopefully, he will be back next week. But Big Ken is still a very heavy presence on this show. And we give him a special shout out. And uh, he's doing a family thing, so we got to respect that. All right, so before we get into Sign of Times, there is a couple of new Prince things. Uh, Prince, just yesterday, uh, today is the 23rd, so the 22nd, he was doing a Q&A on Twitter yesterday. Uh, just randomly jumped on there and was taking questions from fans and giving his answers. Uh, did any of you guys check any of that out? I didn't hear about it until after that, that, you posted it, and it was already over. Yeah, that's for, right now is the first I hear of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, I, I somebody posted it on Facebook, and I looked, and sure enough, they were on there and taking questions. <clears throat> you know, I don't think anything sort of urgent was uh, dispensed informational-wise through that. You know, it was a lot of very sort of dry humor, snarky comments from Prince. That's what he does. But uh, I think the one thing I, I did get away from it, it sounded like he said he's getting ready to go back on tour and I think he's going to go overseas, and he was saying London might be the first stop. Um, he also, somebody asked about the new album. Uh, he said early 2014, available on all formats and various distributors. Um, what else? He did mention something about being on Arsenio in early 2014. Right, yes, he definitely said he was going to do Arsenio. He also uh, included Arsenio's Twitter handle in that answer, so... That would be interesting. Um, but, yeah, so it was kind of cool, you know. And then there was a, a picture that they released. Uh, what's the, the, is it the drummer named Hannah? Yeah. Yeah. And she tweeted out a picture of the girls, and I assume it was Prince holding up a copy of the one. So random. The, was it the One Night Alone box set? <laughs> <laughs> and that, just, that was yeah. his picture. I was like, okay. So He's probably still got some of those in the warehouse. He probably unload. does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that's the the new thing. I, other than that, I don't think. Uh, oh well, I guess he did. 
put out a new song. Uh, was it last week or the week before? It was last week. You dropped yeah, a new early song. Early last week, I think. What's the song called? Bearded Lady? The, or no, the the bourgeoisie. The, the, the bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie. Yes. And apparently some of the lyrical content has got a few people in a tizzy. Oh, people need to get a grip, man. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was, <laughs> I think the point of the song, kind of like a Bambi, where it's like a girl that he's trying to get with or is with is maybe leaving him for another woman or something like that. And, you know, these days you say anything uh, in regards to gay, lesbian, you know, there's going to be some blowback. Uh, so I don't know how real the blowback of the uproar was, but I did see some people. I'm, I'm just through it, Brent. <laughs> Here he goes saying this. I'm done. He didn't say shit. People need to get a grip, man. Seriously, they need to they need to max out on that, man. They really need to just listen and just say, okay, that's what he said. And it wasn't anything. I'm homophobic or I'm against gay marriage. He didn't say anything like that. People just take it and run with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I looked at the title, at first I was like, wow, he's about to go in on like bourgeois black people. <laughs> so that would have been hysterical. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that's a new song, and I think the song's been taken down, or it's not officially where it was before. So, uh, it, and it was like a demo, sort of. I guess you call it funk. Well, it's real quick for those who heard it. We'll start with uh, Ernie. What did you think of that? I, I thought it was a good song, actually. I mean, I, I had it on on rotation. This it, it was my breakfast song, and you know, when I'm prepping breakfast in the morning, oh. I'd have that one playing over and over again. It's I didn't see nothing really bad in it. The lyrics are. Or um, you know they're, they're just kind of, just kind of catchy. Yeah, could they be seen as something bad? It depends what kind of spin you want to put on. I'm with Mark on this. I think it's kind of silly that people are really running with it that way. Uh, it's not like he ain't and done lyrics like this before. Folks gotta go back and listen to Head a little bit and uh, Sister and see and, and get checked <laughs> correct as to who they're dealing with here. And I don't know, I, but on the song before I really paid any attention to the lyrics, I thought it was catchy. It was I like sparse songs. And I like and I like minimalistic songs, and that that one did it for me. I thought it was good. All right, uh, how about you, uh, Big Sexy? Did you hear? It? You know, I, I heard it a couple times. I get, again, I liked it. I was getting used to it, and then I heard about all the the drama surrounding it, and I thought, wait a minute, what about Bambi? You know, people need to need need to step off. And again, if he's saying that she left him for another woman, okay, so it's not that she left him for a woman; it's that she left him. That's the key here, and people just got all been out of shape by it. And you know, again, our, our society now is just overly wussified. I'm sick of it. But he said dirty word, big sexy. <laughs> <laughs> he did. What did he say? No, that's what he said. Oh. <laughs> I think I, I, I guess they're insinuating that he meant dirty word meant being lesbian or some uh, Again, uh, dirty yeah. word could it be she left my ass. That could be a dirty word, you know. <laughs> I mean, it depends how much you want to read into it. A, a bearded lady. A beard, he refers to the, the, the person who they're with as the bearded lady. Bearded lady in the sideshow is a freak. So if you want to go in there and you want to say, oh, he's calling lesbians freaks, you can read into it all you want. Yep. But come on, man. It's crazy. I thought it was when – I, when I thought that, I go, hey, that's pretty clever. And, and that's yeah. about as far as that went with me. Yeah, me too. I mean – He could have meant freaking the sheets. Anali, there you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, Sean, did you get a chance to hear the song? Yeah, and and at risk of losing my purple card, I must say I I listened to it once, and I there's two categories of Prince songs for me. There's what 
uh, WTF question mark question mark <laughs> and then WTF exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point. This one falls under the question mark. I I just I just didn't feel it. I I listened to it one time, and I haven't played it since. I, I just wasn't really feeling it. Well, don't feel bad because I've sort of fallen in that same category. <laughs> I, I played yes, it. Pur- purple and gold did, huh? I was like, yeah. oh, this is cool. Oh. You know, and then just, you know, and but I thought it was cool, but it just, I don't know. It it, it sounded incomplete. You know, here's what it sounded like to me. And a uh, risk of being banned forever. But it was just kind of dry to me. Like, I assume it was just him on that track. And I'm like, man, I just expect more looseness and, you know, so so general word to say, but funkiness to it. And it just did not seem to me really funky. Like, I was like, man, he does way better or he can do so much better. And, uh, I, yeah, it was just a throwaway to me. I, yeah, cool. Never want to hear it again. I don't know. Um, and, again, I don't <clears throat> I sometimes hesitate against him sort of putting out these songs that may or may not be like really had a lot of work on them yet for public consumption because it's like after a while you kind of keep hearing the same kind of ah yeah that's cool last a day yeah that's cool then you kind of getting i'm already desensitized but man keep the high quality you know stuff i I like that he put stuff out but if you want to do that man just go and grab one of them tracks that's already done in the vault and just throw it. I mean, if you're just gonna put out something, at least you everything you'll put out will be on a high quality bar, because it's not really got a lot of official music these days. Um, but that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into side of the times. It's a little album you may have heard about. <clears throat> All right, so again, I'm not gonna go too deep into the setup in the story behind this album. Two reasons: one. Most of the hardcore people will know that, and I'm going to save it for the next show. Two, just in the effort and the spirit of time, we could spend a whole hour talking about how this album came to be, <laughs> literally. Um, the quick version, I'm going to give you the Star Trek Into Darkness version. <laughs> Revisiting this <Uh-oh>. history. <laughs> Basically, Prince was working on uh, the Dream Factory album, which was going to be, what, a three... Or two disc set or two vinyl set mm-hmm. that's spawned into then he started working on the Camille record, if I'm not mistaken, and then that spawned into working on something called Crystal Ball, which is going to be a three vinyl set. Presented this, and I'm really rushing over that. He presented this to the record company, Warner Brothers, and they said, You got you crazy. And he was like, What do you mean? I want to put this out. And he's like, Nope, can't do it. Respect your vision. But uh, not going to sell. Changed up. So he had to go back and edit it down from what his original vision was and create Sign of the Times. And that is the album that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> A lot happened between the Dream Factory and Sign of the Times, trust me. Um, and we'll get into that next week. All right. So Sign of the Times was released March 31st, 1987. A long time ago. The very first single is also the first song on the album. And that song would be Sign of the Times. So, with that said, 
with a welcome home congratulatory clap. <laughs> We're going to go to Mr. Day dropping to start it off for us. So sign of time, sir. Sign of the times. All right. Let's let's just get this part out of the way. Some albums have so-so openers. Some albums have not so great openers. A perfect example of a good, excellent opener prior is um, Let's Go Crazy. Perfect opener for Purple Rain. It gives you the energy. It gets it going. Sign of the Times. Perfect opener for this album for me. This is, a, this is a song that sets the mood for the album. It lets you know something's different. It lets you know that, that this is serious if it needs to be, but it's funky if it needs to be, too. Lyrically, you... Did, okay, here's a quick story on the lyric on this. Um, a couple of years ago, I just, ha- you know, my cubicle at work, happened to just type up the lyrics and, you know, I printed them out. Didn't put the name of the artist or anything on there on that. I just typed the lyrics up, put it up on my cubicle wall. Another probation officer came around, looked at it, and they, you know, they see your cubicle stuff, and they read the stuff that's up on there, and think it's an inter- interesting stuff, and they read it, and they were still thrown back by the by the words. They go, "Did you write this?" I didn't take credit for it, of course. I go, "No, no, no, this is actually a Prince song." Really? Wow. That was two years ago. That tells you the power of these lyrics, and the fact that they transcend all twenty plus years, to almost thirty years now, and um, they're still great today. This is a perfect beginning entry beginning song the the music on it is is like it's somber but it but it keeps you going um and and when you hear this you know that you're in for something good coming up uh the the and the way it it breaks off from the single version and it just gives you a whole bunch more funky stuff going on uh, it sonically it's bliss this is a perfect beginning a score, and I'm doing all my scoring on the fly. A score on this one, this isn't, this isn't, no, I hate using this term, I'm going to throw it out there. This is a no-brainer. This is a 10 out of 10. There, you start off like that, you know you're in for something good. 10 out of 10. All right, wow. Big, sexy, and sure. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, remember, I remember when this album came out, and I was looking forward to it, and keep in mind, this was 19, I believe, 87, 88? There was no internet, so you didn't know it was coming, and all of a sudden, boom, here it is. And the first thing I heard in the song was, a, I don't want to say a, a lack of something, but it was just different. It was sparse, and that's going to be the word of the day today. It was sparse mm-hmm. instrumentation, you know, could have been almost like a demo, no strings, you know, it was just drums, little guitar, bass, that's it. No backup singers on the chorus, no nothing. And if you look at what he had just come off of with Purple Rain, Round the World in the Day, Parade, you could feel, and maybe because we're hardcore fans, but we, we know this, but you could feel the presence of Wendy and Lisa. You know, it's collaborating. You don't hear that here. You hear him. This is him in the basement pulling together something just brilliant. And that tells the listener, this is something new here. We're not doing Parade. We're not doing you know, Purple Rain. So we're going to go another direction and get ready. And the, and the lyrics were very serious, very heavy, very contemporary, almost to the point of it being pandering. It's not pandering, but it was almost to that point when he used the phrase, you know, gangs and crack and this and that. I'm like, okay, he's getting serious now. Let's see where he takes it. Great way to open up the album. All right. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on Sign of the Times. Uh, it's a great track. Uh, I remember when it when it came out. It was kind of the first time 
uh, at least on a single that Prince, you know, addressed things that were going on in the quote unquote real world, the, you know, the space shuttle, uh, AIDS and, and that type of thing. And, uh, people were taken aback, like, wow, he's a real dude. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is. And, and, uh, he, he's a, you know, deep thinker. And, and, uh, I think the single, I'm sorry, the song shows that. And it's a testament to him just being able to make that a single because, uh, you know, as we know from the history of the album, this was just an album track. It wasn't like the centerpiece showcase uh, that it is now. Uh, it was just another song on a on a three LP set. Uh, and then, you know, when he re- he edited the thing down, it became not only the the title track, but again, you know, kind of the. Um, set piece of the entire uh entire project which is which is amazing yeah it's interesting that you say it like that because that is amazing it sort of took a song that i think it was on the third third record, record yeah i mean it was just Crystal you know and, buried yeah and then forcing you know okay man they're not going to take this i have to switch this whole thing around uh let me grab so just the, the genius and foresight and vision to say let me take sign of times and let me conceptualize this record behind that. That's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, another another aspect too is that it truly was a sign of the times for him because the you know the revolution's gone. You know he he gone through that whole high period, had the flop with on the cherry moon and and to a lesser extent the uh, flop of parade. So now he's back. He's doing it on his own. It, it truly was. You know, a, a sign of the times. Can can I go back and recreate what I've done before doing it on my own? So I think that title is also just is uh, prophetic also. All right. Um, I'm going to just say in terms of my opinion of the song when it came out, I remember, you know, the single was the first thing dropped. There was the, the 12 inch. You know, I'm not going to go into the pictures and all that. But I remember just hearing the song for the first time. I was actually a little disappointed. Like I was like, "What is this?" Like this because before this, I am so enamored with the parade prints. Uh, you know, particularly uh, the stuff I had on VHS. Some of you know what that format is, what that means. But, but I had, uh, you know, I had these video videos of Prince and the Revolution playing, and they were jammed out. Like I mean, it was long jams. You know, this was, you know, going into the, the parade era. And I just imagine like, and then of course, you know, usually his first singles are bangers. I mean, in terms of like, you know, fast paced, dope tracks. And so when he came with this sort of somber, you know, just kind of this drum, the drum beat, you know, I was like, what in the hell? It's like, man, he's coming with some other, I mean, again, it's the genius yeah. of Prince. He's always he coming with some shit that you ain't ready for. I was challenging you. Yeah, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. But on the other side, the other side of twelve inch, of course, was the song. I'm not gonna go deep into, but la 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 he he. And I was like, uh, now this is what I was talking about. Like, why is not this the first single? But anyway, going back to Sign of the Times, I used to not really bump it that hard. Like, of course, I played it, but it really wasn't until. Prince went on the MTV Music Awards. The VMA Awards, And yeah. he performed this. That's what opened my ear up. I was like, that song is dope. And I was like, let me go back and really let the record, let the needle sit on that one for a minute. 
and let me listen to. And the other part I will add, it wasn't really until the Sign of the Times concert movie came out on home video that I really fell in love with the song. And I will say that to say that and the end credits of that movie is the, the instrumental. Yeah, with the instrumental. And yeah. that instrumental, the music is hot. Like, if you really listen to the stuff mm-hmm. he's doing, it's... You, you, I mean, for me, I didn't really get to hear a lot of the instrumentation and the keyboard stuff, what bass he was doing. But when you take the vocals out, that song is filthy. So... In I, I agree with you, Mike. You know, at some point too, we should we should talk about maybe the the arrangements and uh, that were done in the in the movie in the live setting versus what would, what was done well, then, on the album. Because I yeah. think that's probably his best tour arrangement as far as musically taking the stuff from the album, translating it on stage. Probably the still, I think to, to this day, the best that he's done. I would agree, and we would definitely go hard into that next week because we want to talk about the concerts. Mm-hmm. But going back real quick, so that's when I really fell in love with the song, and now, yeah, I, you know, I listen to it. Well, and, and I, I agree with you. Ahead. I mean, I I remember when I first heard it, I, it was weird. I, I was I was actually I, remember I was taking a shower, and I had my little boombox right there next to the next to the shower, listening to the radio, and it came on the radio, and I had the same kind of sentiment when I heard it. Popped my head out of the shower, listening to it, and I thought, hmm, I gotta hear this again. But, you know, that that was my first impression of it. Mm-hmm. It didn't really slam me like you're saying, you know. Uh, and over time, it, it grew and I got to appreciate it. And, yeah, I was so thrown back when I first heard the instrumental at the end of credits. And then you really got a sense of what was going on on, on that music because he covers so much of it with his vocal that mm-hmm. you don't get to appreciate it until you hear it as an instrumental and how much work went into making it sound so sparse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, excellent track. So, all right, so moving right along, we will go into Play in the Sunshine, and we will have Big Sexy start us off this time. Excuse me, once again. Uh, I thought this could have been a single. I love this song. It's upbeat, but it's still a little sparse. I mean, not coming off of, you know, Sign of the Times, but it's something that was fun, and I do like the little mention, and I may be over-reading here, but there was a line in the song that says, it'll make you do the walk. I'm like, uh-oh, Morris Day in the time, shout out, hey. And I like the, the, the tone of the drums. This one sounded like real drums as opposed to a drum machine. There was a little bit of a kick drum in there or double kick. At one point, I thought, this is fun. I want to see this live. And I thought the label, now I don't know whose call this was, but I thought the label would have pushed this more as a single. All right, Sean, what did you think of the song? Um, you asked the question on Facebook the other day. What was the you know the, your favorite song off this album? And I, you remember my response? <laughs> I don't. I said as of uh, whatever day it was, as of November twenty second, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, two thousand thirteen. Playing the sunshine is my favorite song on the album. Really? Now I think. Well, I mean, it's. I think at some point every song on the album has been my favorite. Uh, but I, I just I. It's him. I would love to have like sat in the studio and watch him put this down. I mean, it's just so joyful. It's so, and it, and it's a contrast from the you know from the previous track. I, I love everything about. It. I love him calling out the drummer, which is him. Uh, you know, the guitar solo. Uh, I like the lyrics. I like the little dig that uh, Big Sexy just mentioned at uh, at Morris Day, which is actually a diss towards Morris Day. Um, I, 
it's a great track, and again, uh, translate it to the live setting, it goes into another stratosphere. All right, day dropping. Yeah, playing the sunshine, the, the the psychedelic are gone crazy. I love it, and you know, Ken would have had a field day talking about this song here and the kind of stuff that he loves. This song was just crazy. It was fun. This is happy face in music land, is what this is, and it it, it was just. The, the lyrics are just so out there and so wacky, and I, I love every bit of this. I like this from day one. And you know what's funny? I, I like listening to different instruments. On an, I'll listen to a song just for one instrument, listen to it again for a different instrument. Hey, I, I have yet to get the pattern down. I'm pretty good, but I have yet to get the pattern down on the, on the drum breakdown on this song. It's so out of time, but in time. That it's hard for me to follow it, and I love that. I still challenge it. Still challenges me today that way, and you know, as far as grading this, so oh man, you start off an album with two tens, you know, you got something going. This is a ten. This, it can't be anything less. This is a happy tune. Plus, you know, just segueing in, this has got to be one of the coolest segues to me. My second favorite print segue, from aside from Dear Michelangelo going into Love Bazaar. It don't get no better than playing the sunshine going into the next track. All right. 10 out of 10. All right. Playing the sunshine quickly. Um, again, when the album originally dropped, I really wasn't messing with this track. <laughs> uh, this is in the days of vinyl records. And uh, I would pick up the needle, slap, you know, jump around. <laughs> and uh, again, not that I didn't like this song. It just wasn't moving me at the time. It just seems so different. Uh, you know, in hindsight, I can see where this song really fits. But at the time, yeah, I just, I don't know. I knew the song. I, I would listen to it, but I didn't really love it. But again, when it wasn't until I saw the Sign of the Times movie and that performance in the movie had busted me. I was like, ah. And... <laughs> I, to me, this is one of those songs that I think he originally, when he originally cut it, you know, it's great. But if, you know, it was like anything, it gets better with time. And as that particular band can interpret these songs and that they practice them and do them even better, that live performance to me blows the record out of, of the water. But it made me love the song. It's like, oh, this song is dope. And it's a difference to me, like when I can see their physical reactions to performing this song stuck in my mind so much that it just brought the joy to like, yeah, I want to, you know, the sunshine when you, the lighting that they had in the performance made me want to listen to the song. Uh, and you, I agree with Ernie, like that breakdown part, la, 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 la. But when the movie was so mm-hmm. dope, but yeah, I started, I was like, okay, now I, and I was like, now I hear Wendy and Lisa. I get, I understand what this is now. And I think the lyrics are very interesting. Uh, they were over my head when this album came out. Like, you know, just I'm going to read the first verses. Uh, old doggies, we want to play in the sunshine. We want to be free without the help of margarita or ecstasy. We want to kick like we used to sign up on the dotted line. We're going to dance every dance like it's going to be the last time. I mean, just the way he sings it, you're right. It just sounds like a joyful thing, even when... He's dissing somebody, like you said, with Morris. That was a diss, actually, if you read it. It's a yeah. Diss. yeah, the color green will make your best friend leave you. It will make them do the walk, but that's cool. 
I mean, oh. that's such a slide. I mean, that goes to the lyricism. Yeah. Uh, like he was, and you, you, we always look, you know, nowadays like, oh, Jay Z got real slick wordplay. But Prince was like real slick wordplay. Like, yeah, he just ran his boy down. Like he just blasted him. You know, it was real cool. <laughs> you know, hints on word. But yeah, so I mean, just amazing sort of track. Um, so yeah. I, Again, it's a yeah. exceptional. It's work. the right. it's the nineteen ninety nine theme all over yeah. again. Basically, it's yeah. you know party party till the end. Basically, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, dear buddy, you got a chance to weigh in on this one, right? Well, one more thing. Oh, uh, you mentioned or somebody mentioned the uh, MTV Awards when he did this on that same performance. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Let's start the tour. Let's go play. Let's do this. Yep. Yep. All right, we'll move right along to the next track, and that would be Housequake, and we're going to go to Sean. Oh, you wouldn't make me go first on this one. <laughs> uh, this is Funk Uninhibited. Uh, it's uh, probably my second favorite track on the album. Uh, I play it on the regular. I played it yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um What's 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 bad to say about it? There's nothing bad to say about it. Uh, the horns are on point. The vocals are on point. The lyrics are on point. It's fun. It's loose. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's that's the fun in it. Uh, green eggs and ham. I mean, doing the house quake. You know, it just it's just a fun song. And I think uh, and I mean, it's a testament to him. He still plays it to this day, albeit uh, in the edited version or edited form. Uh, but uh, it it could still rock the house to this day. And uh, I remember when I, when I first heard it, I was just happy to hear that Camille voice. Although at the time we didn't really know the name at that point, but uh, I was really a big uh, fan of Love or Money. So just just hearing that that sped up vocal was uh, was it was an earful for me. So I I love this track. I would give it. You know, if I was rating it ten out of ten, I mean, it, it's it's a perfect perfect funk Prince track. Probably hasn't done one better since. Uh, this is the blueprint for everything else that came afterwards. Yeah, I, I would just say my piece real quick. Head bust. You know, my vinyl, my record. You could see where it was just played all the time. That section, <laughs> it was like, it just, it just worn out. This is, this would have been, you know, the way I thought back then. This would have been the first single in terms of how I thought back then. Like, I, I was like, I don't understand why this song is not ringing from the heavens. Like, uh, this is the fire. This is that Prince that used to have that song that would just be, be like, man, like, can nobody do this? Nobody else can't do this. Shuts it down every time. This was it. I mean, this was the genius. He took James Brown and put Prince stamp. He did his style of it. It was quirky. It was funky. Uh, just, this amazing. This amazing track. You know, it's still a classic to this day. And I agree with Sean. I don't think there was any song after this that, in terms of this style, that it, this was it. it was probably, I think it was Questlove's book, that book he just put out recently. And I think he said this was the song. Uh, after this, nothing else ever made, uh, you know, kind of blew him away from Prince. But, Excellent track. Uh, well, you know, they, Prince says uh, it himself. You can't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> True, in the lyrics. <laughs> you can't, we got the baddest yeah. jam in the leg. Can't follow it. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's... he even knew that it was, you know, it was top. Uh, day drop. Wow. Yeah. You know, this, this is, this is, this is funky. 
It's so crazy, it's hard to throw in words. This is the funky jam right here. From the very beginning of, like I said, and this is why I'm like, I don't get, for, for me, I have to listen to playing the sunshine, listening to Housequake. I can't just go to straight to Housequake. Playing the sh- sunshine for me sets up Housequake perfectly with that whole intro, and then suddenly it just cut, cut them. <laughs> Shut up already. Damn. And then just, and then that beat kicks it, and oh man, you gotta dance. You have to dance. You have to move. The song, I mean, and, and that's great because that's what the song is. The song is nothing more than a dance song. It's, it's just telling you how to housequake and what it is and this and that, and you do it, and that it's a dance. It's a new dance track. That's all it is. But it's done so well, and it's done so energetic, and it just pushes you and keeps pushing you and keeps pushing you. Nah, yeah, lyrically, it's silly. It's so silly to the point that my favorite lyric on this track is when he's saying, my lord, and the house, and my favorite lyric is, bullshit. That's it, that word. <laughs> this is the way he says that. That's my favorite part of that song right there. Uh, because just, like, he calls it out. And man, it's, this song is funky, beginning to end. It just, it works. It, it's, yeah, I have to agree with Questlove's assertion on that. It's never been funky like this since. It's been funky, but never like this. This, this is the stuff right here. So you got 10 with the first track. You got 10 with the second track. And you start getting repetitive when you start saying that you got 10 with the third track. Three tens in a row. How do you top that? I mean, nuts. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Easy. All right. Let me just add, this, this song also reminds me, if you were to look back at old soul music, there was always that dance song, you know, more popular mm-hmm. like Rufus Thomas. And he, was very, he always had those, you know, Do the Funky Chicken. And, and there was always those sort of dance songs in old souls, particularly the 60s. Yeah, it, it, it reminded me a lot of, of, of Tighten Up, is what it reminded me yeah, of. Yeah, see, and it, it has that sort of flavor. Yeah, I just want to say it has that. This is like his interpretation of doing one of those types of songs that mm-hmm. they would just shut it down and everybody had to do the dance, or it was like, oh, this is, you know, do the fucking chicken. This is that sort of <laughs> joint, you know, and it's a call and response sort of feel to it you could almost you know some would argue maybe he's kind of rapping sort of but it, it's really harkening to those sort of songs you know those those, yeah. those soul and, and if i could add something to it real quick Mike, i i i've mentioned this before on different forums and stuff like that and um this song works with the camille voice it doesn't quite work without the camille voice because if you take the song on audacity and you lower it, you lower the, the the tone down towards normal prince singing it it sounds okay but it just ain't the same um and it's, yeah, you hear Prince's voice perfectly on it, the way he sings, normal singing, and it don't quite work. With Camille, genius. Genius move doing it that way. Because that just, just amped it up even more. All right, big, sexy, and set. You know, I got to follow up with everybody else, on everybody else's coattails. This is the jam. And the cool thing about this song is the minute it came out, it was on fire, and we did the the move from the film, the little dance step, you jump up on the one. Oh yeah. We did that at my friend's wedding. The whole <laughs> dance floor was up on the one. It was great. And lyrically put a little bit of some, uh, a little bit of geology in there. The kick drum is the fault. Have people ask me, what does that mean? I said, pick up a book. Damn, you know, learn about earthquakes, learn how things work. So I had people learning about that. And when I heard him say bullshit in it, in the studio version, that immediately took me back to, I'm, I'm a little older than you guys, but this took me right back to 1975, Isley Brothers' Fight the Power. 
<laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah. bullshit. I'm like, yeah, here we go. Now, now it's on. Now it's like that real funky song that you can't play on the radio unless they beep it out. And you want to hear the unedited version, which we had on the on the CD and albums. This was the one. To me, I was I was I was done. Anything else after this was bonus points. I was ready to go. All right, House Quick. All right, next up is the Ballad of Dorothy Parker. And I'm going to start this one off, and I'm going to tell a quick little story. So, of course, this album is out. Now, back then, um, hip-hop and rap was really, at least in my neighborhood, that, that was it. Yeah. And uh, some of you may or may not know I do music. And this is when the early part of me doing music, and I was like in my training years. So uh, there's a gentleman by the name of, his name is Funk Daddy. And those who are in the Seattle area or on the West Coast may have heard of this gentleman. He's a popular DJ. He also had to put out his own music and stuff like that. But me and him used to be boys. And we all worked at McDonald's. I'm going to put that right out there. <laughs> we all worked at McDonald's back in the day. But Funk Daddy, he was the only guy in the neighborhood who had a setup at his crib. You know, like you could go over there and make beats. And, you know, he had the turntables to do the sick. And uh, he knew I wanted to do music. And uh, he's like, man, you can come over, you know, if you want to make some music and stuff. And uh, so I remember coming over one day and uh, I didn't have my own equipment at this time. I would go over and use his stuff. And he was really good at drum programming at the time. And uh, again, this is a world of we're all doing hip hop type stuff. But I come over there with this Sign of Times record. (laughs) And he, I said, man, I want you to make me a beat. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? And I proceeded to play the Ballad of Dorothy Parker. <laughs> I was like, program that. And he looked at me and like, nigga, please. <laughs> I mean, I say that to say this song blew everybody out the water because First of all, if you could wrap your head around the beat and the drum programming, like nobody else can do that. That is on. That's a guy who is on his own time signature. He's on some other ish. You have to really have some rhythm and some soul about yourself to be able to even think that that is possible and to do it where it's on beat. But it's not. It's it's, it's the same guy who would have programmed. Seven 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 nine three eleven would be the same guy that would do this song. Uh, this song is a monster. You got sort of jazz feel to it. Of course, you got the soul feel to it. You got some funk. The, the bass playing is ridiculous. Like there's no one else. I don't care. The only people that could even come close to something like this is Sly, Suge Otis. And maybe a few other obscure dudes, but nobody else in popular music, even today. I, if he was, oh, it's Timberland. I was, he could come possibly close, possibly. But mm-hmm. in terms of having, the, you know, the jazz part, the soul and the funk wrapped into it, nah, ain't nobody touching this. This is one of those where you hear this and you'd be like, you know what? Prince is a cold motherfucker. Like, you may not have to care about, you may not like none of this music. Like, you might think it's watered down, corny. I'm just talking to real snobbed out <laughs> funk dudes. But when you hear this, you have to give it up and see, you know what? That's a cold motherfucker. Right? That, 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 okay, yeah. Yeah, he got it. Yeah, he got it. 
<laughs> and that's all I got to say about this. Y- y'all can go ahead. So we don't go. On. <laughs> that's it. Like, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. when you hear that, well, you're like, you said yeah, it, Mike. he got it. Um, big, sexy, big, sexy, and sad. Go ahead. Only thing I want to, you know, add to that, uh, you know, again, it's, it's more sparsely instrument, instrumentals, not a lot of vocals in the background. But to me, when I, when I close my eyes to hear this song, I visualize a video like the Pretender's Brass and Pocket or that scene from LL Cool J's Big Old Butt where the girl is, you know, dressed as a waitress. That's what I see. I see a waitress in a greasy spoon and he's just telling the story about meeting her on the night shift. You know, it's a great song. Lyrically, it's it's out there. It, it's great. It's And it's so stripped down and it's not overly produced, which is great because, it, again, it's going back to the to the almost demo sound of uh, Dirty Mind. I, I love this. All right, day dropping. Mike, you hit it 100% on the, on the music content of this as far as how it's put together. The beat is wacky, crazy, funky, everything. The, the beat works on it from the beginning. My boys, uh, Mario, rest in peace, and his brother Omar, they, they were tuned on to Sign of the Sign of the Times album because of this track. And they were listening to crazy. They were listening to Smiths and all kinds of stuff. Like, and they were tuned on to this because of that. So um, you know, you had guys hip hop that, that that saw this and said, "Whoa!" I had guys on alternative who saw this and said, "Whoa!" And so, I mean, th- th- and that's because it has a little bit of everything in it. And lyrically, man, it's 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 a great story. It's a cool story that he tells it in the Prince way. It's smooth like that. I also vision it like he's in some kind of crazy diner and locks eyes with this girl. And then here you go. And then you tell the story and and going in the purple room and the violet room and stuff. And, oh, man, it's just it, it always paints a really cool picture, man. And the way the way it flows is just it just works. It works. And it's it's one of those tracks that you can introduce people to and say, hey, and by the way, y'all know uh, he does. Um, uh, Little Red Corvette 1999. You guys heard that, right? You guys heard Buffalo. You guys heard all that. Check out what he also does. And you put this on, and it'll blow him away. Nah, he doesn't do that. Yes, he does. That's him. And that's all him. And so, and man, this is wild. It is wild. Wow. I don't think I've ever had this where you got four tens in a row. But how can you, how can you do a disservice to the song by doing it anything less than a ten? You can't, it, and it would be. This is fourth ten, without a doubt. All right, Mr. Sean Hill. All right, all right. Um, this is the best uh, Stevie Wonder song that Prince has ever written. Um, <laughs> I, it's mm. the first thing that pops in my mind when I hear it. Just you can almost hear Stevie singing some of this stuff. Not not all of it. Um, <laughs> It, uh, I, uh, Mike, you mentioned the drum programming. Uh, I think it's probably one of my favorite, uh, program examples of programming that, that he's done. Uh, there are seven, 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 nine, three, eleven, something in the water. Um, it is just off the chain. Interestingly enough, uh, the, the song has been sampled at least once. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, De La Soul sampled it for a B side of theirs called, uh, Lovely How I Let My Mind Float. And uh, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good sample. If you haven't heard it, uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it kind of reminds like, uh, Prince. It seems like he tried to recapture that with uh, "What Do You Want Me to Do." Uh, I think it kind of has that same, same programming vibe. 
Uh, but lyrically, this thing is just I, – I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he wrote it in one sitting. He just sat down and just, <laughs> just wrote the whole thing out. My, my favorite probably lyrics in the song and you know one of my favorite Prince phrases is, My pants were wet, they came off, but she didn't see the movie because she hadn't read the book first. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's cold. I mean, yep. I, there's different interpretations that I could go into as far as what that actually means, and we all could probably come up with a different one, and we all could be be wrong. Who knows what it means? But it's just a great phrase, a great lyrical uh, slight. And I mean, this song is great. This is another ten. This is a great, great track. It's that breather after housequake. You need that breather. This is the perfect breather song right here. Yes, and just let me add to the vocal performance in the backgrounds and all that. Masterful, like I mean, and again, I you're exactly right. This this I definitely see the Stevie Wonder part of it, but it's just you get again the way the rhythms, how he's delivering the vocals. You know, I just I I don't even want to start singing this shit, but it's just crazy because it's like. You really gotta really feel the song to do what he's doing on that. In the fiction brought on by the witch's curse, and then Dorothy man, ha ha ha, went back to the by the room. Then they come in, tell us what you did, what you did. I mean, he was just—he was feeling it, man. He was really feeling that cut. That's good. And I say this: this song is so cold that. Unless his band could be uh, five other princes, they'll never play this the way it's played on a record. No, you it's can't reproduce it because it's just it's no. too much. It's it's honestly, it's was one. He has a couple of songs like that where they just can never. You know, Windows Cry is another one of those songs to me. Like you'll never be able to perform it like the record because it's just a one man shot. You know, isolated sort of thing. And if you ain't Prince, if Prince ain't doing all the parts. It's just not going to do it. I'll throw this as a wild card. I would really much love to hear Questlove, D'Angelo, and the Soquarians era had co- tried to co- cover this. It, I think it was the only people of today who could attempt it live, and I, would, and I could probably be like, yeah, okay. Because to me, the essence of this is a lot of what I love about D'Angelo, he seems to very capture the essence of a feel of a song. Now I'm just going to go off the rails here one quick second because I will forget if I don't say this. And I posted this on Facebook. On one of the new D'Angelo songs called Charade, which some people have believed when they heard this, like, man, that's the, that really captures that Prince parade era, almost Wendy and Lisa sort of feel to it. It's a very good song. He does it live. One of my guys, I'm not going to blast his name out there because he's sort of tied into that situation. But he just exposed that that song is actually a riff off of the song Blondie on Pandemonium. Yeah, you did post that. I did. If you go to the two minute and 10 second mark where the song breaks into that sort of bridge area, that is, that's the D'Angelo song. Like, that's just so, again, you'd have to be such a dope deep fan to pull that and to hear like that little section is filthy like let me make that a cut 
It's just, it's just, that's like a genius move to me. And it's so interesting mm. because I, if I'm not mistaken, Blondie is a Jesse Jam and Lewis cut. And it's very interesting that the live performance that I posted, obviously Jesse is in the band and he does a solo. So it's like a, a, a cool shot to Jesse to be like, yo, I'm going to make this song based off of some shit you wrote. Plus, I'm going to have you play on it. Like, this just, that's, that's the un, that's the opposite of thinking it. <laughs> wow. What, what track is that again, Mike? It's called uh, My Charade, or it's called Charade. I don't know if it's My Charade. Charade. I put it on my uh, Facebook. You find it on um, YouTube. There's a, there's a couple of dope live performances. There's really one great live performance. It sounds crystal clear. And Jesse has a dope uh, solo on it. But when you hear it, you'll be, it out. you'll be like, yeah, that's some print shit. But it's actually some, some Jesse <laughs> shit. But anyway, let's get back on track, Mike. How about that? <laughs> Can I, um, on the, the Battle of Dorothy Parker, it did make uh, a few appearances on the Sign of the Times tour, but for whatever reason, uh, Prince decided not to make it a regular uh, part of the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I do have a couple of uh, examples of, of it being performed, and I, I can see why it was dropped. It, it just, I think because he where he placed it in the show, was, I think it was right before uh, Slow Love, so he kind of got two... Uh, kind of you know slower songs in a row, so maybe he just chose slow love over over ballad. All right, but who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that next week. We won't get into yeah, all yeah, that. we'll get into that. Uh, so the next track is it. Well, let, let's just preface, preface, stop to say that those first four songs are the first part of the album. You flip over the record at this right. point, and it's important mm-hmm. to say that because it, this it, it album is. is structured with vinyl in mind as opposed to a CD where they just all run together. So it's important to know that like, that's the first section, you know. And yeah, that, Okay, you take a breather after Ballad of Dorothy Parker. You know, it's like he understood that you're going to stop here, you're going to have to get up and flip it over, and that would start a whole different experience for you. So with that said, It is the next song, and we're going to go back to Day Drop. You know, Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, Battle of Dorothy Parker fades out at the very end and it gives you a nice breather. So when you flip it over to the other side um, of the first album, you start off with It. It. So what is It? No, it ain't that creature. It ain't Pennywise. You know what it is when you when you hear, read these lyrics because, boy, this this, uh, this is some sexy, not dirty stuff, in my opinion. It's, it's good. It's, it's Lyrically, this works. It's, again... Uh, Mark mentioned at the beginning, sparse. It's sparse, and I love that. Uh, instrumentally, it, it just isn't that much. It, a, I mean, I'm, there's layers, but it works. The sparseness works because this is a guy who's in anguish over it. He's in anguish on it. You hear it in his voice. The way he sings it, he's he's singing like a like a partial like part yell, part sing type of voice, and and the way it kind of echoes. Uh, his his lyric delivery it it adds to it like like he's he's solitary here and and he is so anguished by it or lack thereof that he he's singing this way and you know one of the things that I'm going to point out on this before for scoring it is you know just like in Ballad of Dorothy Parker you always have like this image of stuff um, and the musical breakdown which is like the last minute and a half or so of the track. Um, just a musical breakdown. I've always had this this, uh, this crazy imagery of you know this man and this woman. 
not necessarily have to be prince or anything, but just this man, this woman, and they just, you know, just stripping each other down on it, you know, and, and just going at it. And then the music builds up that way. It builds up that way almost to climax at the very end, if you could think of it like that. It starts off with them stripping themselves out, going into it, you know, just all the motions, and then towards the end, perfect. Perfect jam, you know, perfect jam. Um, it, it's cool. It's just comparing it when you're following it past side one, that's a hard comparison in the whole scheme of the album to follow. So it's not a 10, but it's very close. This one's a nine, nine out of 10. Just sexiness, dirt, sexy slash dirty, but not too much and just enough. And that musical breakdown towards the last minute and a half. Seals the deal. Nine out of ten. All right. Big sexy and sack. You know, let me uh, preface this that I'm talking to the ladies right now. <laughs> this song, this song is me. Period. I am all about pleasuring the ladies. I want to do it all the time. It's all I think about. And I know I'm not the only one, fellas. So give it up. This song is stripped down gets right to it, just drum machine, light keyboards, and he's like, look, this is what I'm about. I want to do you, baby, all of the time. And when you think about that, you know, women are like, damn, he ain't playing. It's not about him. It's about him pleasing me. And that's what this song tells me. And having seen or was lucky enough to see the Third Eye Girl show here during the sampler set, this would have blown up, would have blown the building up because it would have been it's crafted for just that that the type of environment. He hits a button, the drum beat starts, he starts talking about it, people lose their minds, myself included. You know, this is a great song. I love it. I wish you got more play. All right, yeah, I would just add that this song to me is all about the vocal performance. This is exactly. actually a very soulful song by Prince. I think Ernie you, or Day Dropping you said earlier, the anguish you hear that you know, you go back to some classic soul singers that they sang it. Like in, in terms of Prince being, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. not Luther, but he does his style of it. And I do, I swear, man. Yeah. That's the, that's the lyric right I mean, there. He's the going. It ain't no fact, but the natural fact. Uh, I mean, he's feeling that. Yep. That's what's that. His, it's just it's all about his vocal performance, which actually is so strong. It's very strong. Compared, if you take most of the stuff he's recorded at this point and you get to this song, I wasn't really a fan of this song for the music and stuff. Like, I didn't like it, but it was just very simple to me. But it was what he was doing. Like, he was really singing his behind off and then the background stuff. This is some soulful stuff. And you, you really see the power when you did hear that snippet in the movie. <laughs> and yep. just oh, how yeah. strong, just hearing that little part, you were like, Imagine if I mean he could do this song today, and just you know you would really like man this cat is pouring his heart out. <laughs> yeah, so now, I, that's why. I'm like, is this. this was this song? Do you know was this one of the older tracks that was included here? And the only reason I asked because you have the little bit of sound in there that that he would that kind of instrumentation that he would use a lot like on Super Funky California Sex in the and Black Album times. He used that 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 weird I don't know that chirpy type of uh, 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 music that he would have back then, and so I'm I'm wondering just how old this this is compared to the other recordings. You know, I would imagine that it's an older track. 
Uh, it probably, yeah. it, it, I'm sorry, Mike. It probably dates back to 86, 85, 86 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not that old. Well, yeah, at the time agree. it was I'd agree old. with him. Uh, go ahead, Sean. You can speak on it. Um, sadly for me, this song, uh, I didn't get to listen to this song probably for about 10 years. Uh, and the reason why, remember cassettes, the little things you would sometimes listen to in your car. I had to make an executive decision because I wanted to add the B-sides and the uh, extended versions to the official album. So using a 90-minute cassette, I didn't have room for all the songs, so something had to get omitted. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, it was the song that got omitted because I had to have Shockadelica. I had to have... The long version of You Got the Look. I had to have La 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 Hee Hee. So it was a casualty of the cassette. So there was a long stretch where I didn't hear the song. But of course, you know, with CDs and MP3s and all that, it's now back in the regular rotation. And I must say, I it's it's probably I, I hate to say it's the weakest song on the on the album because it's still a good song, but it is. Uh, it's probably the one that I've probably listened to the least. Uh, if I'm in my car, if I'm near my uh, iPod and it comes on, I'll skip it. But if I'm not like not near it, I'll, you know, I'll listen to it. But I do agree with everything you guys have said as far as the his singing is definitely you 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 feel that emotion in his voice, you know, and and the it, as only Prince can do it. And as Mike mentioned, and I'll briefly mention the movie version just it, it's just blows it out of the stratosphere as well. Uh, but like I say, yeah, unfortunately, I, I went such a long period of time without hearing it. I don't have a, a great enough appreciation for it as probably I should. All right. And just going back real quick. So this song, It, was uh, from the Dream Factory era. And actually, it's, this was the song he first used, uh, what they call the Fairlight Sampler for the drums. It was the first time he ever did, you know, used it was on this song. Um and he also cut a uh, large room in a large uh, in a large room with no light uh, around the same couple of days of doing this track as well. Did the wow. sunset sound so very interesting. All right, moving along, man. We gotta keep moving. Next up, uh, starfish and coffee. Um, Sean, go ahead. Uh, love it. Uh, Wendy and Lisa all over it. You can tell their influence on it. Um, this is another song that unfortunately didn't make the, uh, sign of the times tour. Uh, there's often debated whether or not this is a, a real story or something, you know, he made up, uh, sounds like to be something he made up. Um, it has a good positive message. If you set your mind free, maybe you understand kind of harkens back to, to Paisley park a little bit that, you know, Paisley parks in your heart. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It, it, you know, it comes in, it does its thing, it's gone. I, um, it's a great, great track. My my kid likes it. Uh, she she gets it. So, <laughs> um, nothing really much more to say about that one. All right, big sexy. You know, I know we're we're going to talk about related media in this album next time. But whenever I hear this song, it reminds me of the Muppet Show. You know, you have the little Muppet dressed like Prince <laughs> with that pompadour and bouffant hair. And I just love it. It's so happy 
You know, it's a different thing than what I mean. There is Wendy and Lisa; you could hear hear them all over it, but it's not like they were doing the revolution. And you know, I don't have much to say about it, but I just love it. I just love it because it's so happy. I wouldn't call it a throwaway by any stretch, and I wouldn't say it's one of the weaker ones. But to me, it's a filler piece. It's good. It's great, but it's still a filler piece. It's not one of the the frontline, you know, headbusters that, that you're going to get hit with. But it's still a good piece. Well, uh, my man. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. We hate this sign. Here we go. <laughs> well, that's, I, for me, this was one of the standout tracks on the album, period. Uh, I, I, again, this is one of them songs, in my opinion, nobody else can do. Nobody else. Again, only this reminds me, again, a lot of these songs sort of sly stones sort of isms to me. And now that I know of, of Shiggy Otis, I, I can hear things. But nobody else would just come with, would think to do this, would think to do the beat like that, uh, would create the, the, the very whimsical, crazy lyrics <coughs> to still make it where you want, you can't help but sing it. You know, it's so catchy. And it's it just in that few little couple minutes, it's just, it's a head, to me, it is a head buster because it's like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, who's creative, imagine enough, enough to do something like this and that it stands the test of time. Like everybody, you know, sometimes he'll play this song and everybody just jumps right in it. You mentioned the Muppets thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is just classic. Like this song and this song is one of the songs who stays on all three uh, figure configurations of these different albums. I just think this is a standout, like, wow, man, this guy is really creative, still funky, pop. You know, it's just, I'm, this song is amazing to me. I, I love that track. Uh, Day Dropping Good. Yeah, again, send the time to try the title track. Again, introduce the fact that this was going to be uh, a dark, different, different type of, of album. And that holds true with this track. Um, I, don't, I don't see it as a throwaway. I think it serves its purpose in order to, to give you a... And if you look at the whole album as a whole, there's a lot of different stuff going on in this album. Uh, there is no real, true, cohesive... Well, there is a cohesive uh, idea behind the album in that it's different from track to track. And that's a good thing. Um, and this is one of the ones that, that makes different from the previous tracks ahead of it. So you, by the time you get to Starfish and Coffee, you're like, man, th- this isn't even like the last one, which wasn't like the last one, which wasn't like the one before it, and all that. Um, uh, my, my take on the, on the lyrics on it is that, uh, from what I've read, Cynthia Rose was a child of Frank to Susanna. And the song was written based off of her, a girl who had Down syndrome, whether it's true or not. This is the main story that I've always heard on the lyrics. And, and it really does fit the lyrical content of the song in the... Um, and how uh, the idea that somebody who could be, um, or I guess for lack of a better word, so so simple in their thoughts, um, like somebody who who would have Down syndrome could be so so correct in being so positive, and that's just how Cynthia Rose was in this album, in this track, and it was so cool. My favorite lyrics on is the last bit on there, where it says Cynthia had a happy face, just like the one she draws on every wall in every school. But it's all right. It's for a worthy cause. Go on, Cynthia. Go oh, on, Cynthia. That's cool. That is so cool, man. That, yeah, man. You know that just that just 
you know that 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 just works. It works. It's nice. Um, for me, the, to me, there was just a tiny bit of slip in in it giving a nine, but it just caught its breath again, and it let us know that hey, things are different on this album. You you're either on with me or you're not, listener. But here's a different chapter that I present to you, and it's called Starfish and Coffee. And it's a cool chapter. It's a positive chapter. And in this case, this chapter deserves another 10. 10 out of 10. All right. Moving right along to... Hold on, my, oh, do, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead. Do we know if that the backwards drum beat, was that a happy accident or hmm. uh, was that intended? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking because I know, you know, that album's full of little happy accidents. So I don't know if that's, if sure. that's one of them or... Uh, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. I could have sworn I read this last night that he intentionally had to run back the beat upside down or took the tape and flipped it over flipped it. so they would play that way. If it wasn't this song, it was some other song on this album. I'm sure it was this one because I only want the backwards beat. But yeah, he intentionally okay. said David oh, intentional. Rogers flipped the tape over. There was some crazy Beatles stuff on there then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. it's, again, it's just, you know, I have this, you, you have the marvel of, again, the vocal performance, the way he comes in Cynthia, fun, happy, and it's the clarity in his voice. Right. It's all like just dope, man. Like intentional, and again, it's still, and he still got that bottom on it. It's just, it's dope, man. Like, a soulful cat could do some crazy shit like that. Um, next up is Slow Love. And uh, actually, I, I'm going to quickly just say my little piece on this. I wasn't really into this track when it first came out. It's just one of those. I sort of skipped it. And I was like, eh. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just I, one, I wasn't. I don't know. It just didn't really do anything for me. And without going too deep, I got the appreciation for this after I saw the Sign of the Times movie. Again, the performance of that was just more superior than this. And then I was like, it it opened my ear to hear the dopeness on the record version. And I am probably the thing that I love about this the, the record version is Eric Leeds. Like the little lines, the, the stuff he's playing toward the end is, is actually really dope. I wish they would have sort of fleshed the performance of the record out a little bit more like they did. Like obviously they had the you know, time and rehearsals to make this shit sound so dope. Cause there's a lot of dope stuff in here, but I just think it's like, we're listening to the first few takes of it. Like this is what it would have sounded like if, if we didn't have maybe another month, you would have heard when he really got into the the drum and slowed it down. You know, but this this is still a dope song. I don't know who the hell Carol Davis or <laughs> apparently it was some chick he was messing with and she must have this, I think she has a version of this song on her record. I, I've never heard it to this day. But uh I, you know, I, I dig slow love. I just at the time wasn't a fan of it too much. Big sexy insect, go ahead. You know, at this point in the album, this is the first time that I hear, you know, Eric Lee's Atlanta Bliss make their presence. Uh, Prince doubled his vocal on that. And I didn't know until last night, as I'm re-listening to the, to the album for today, I hear the Claire Fisher strings. I didn't even know that. I had no idea that he was on this album at all. Because they were so understated. And yet, when you listen, oh, you can hear it. Like, oh, there he is. There he is. And I thought, you know, I can't turn my little notepad over. I had another note here. Oh, here we go. Uh, you hear Wendy and Lisa doing some backing vocals, and I didn't know they were on this either with Wendy's guitar. Didn't know that. You know, and the lyrics take off right where it, 
you know, right where it leaves off. You know, where he's all, I like it so much. It's so much better when we take our time. Now, full disclosure here, fellas. I have told many a woman that phrase, and it works. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Sean. Um, when I was doing my configuration back in the day, this was number two. This was this other song that almost got cut. It was between this and uh, and Slow Love, and much like you, Mike, the movie the movie saved it basically. Uh, <laughs> that and actually to this day, I don't even have the studio version on my Sign of the Times configuration. I have the movie version of Slow Love on on the mm-hmm. Sign of the Times configuration because I like Eric's. Uh, uh, additions to it so much. I, I just think that uh, the live version blows it away. So I just I just replaced it. Um, it's um, of course of the ballads of the song. This is probably the weakest one, um, but it's I mean it's still a good track. It's still a good song. Um, I like I said, but I don't listen to the album version uh, anymore. I I strictly listen to the live one. So maybe I should go back and listen to the studio one. Just to, it's been so long since I've heard it, just to see if my assessment of it is correct. But um, but I would definitely give this one uh, probably an eight or so. All right, they dropping. Are they dropping on this one? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't. You know, I don't know. Um, this song, you know, I guess I'm kind of with you on this one, Mike. I, I couldn't really get into this song that much. I think the, the delivery of the song is beautiful. It's a beautiful track, okay? Um, again, it's to give you something different. At this point, you're getting something different still, and that's good the, with the sequencing of it. Um, but uh, it's something like um, as beautiful as the track is, I, could, I don't know. I just could never really get into it. I mean, I like the way he sings it. My, my favorite part of him singing, you know, I'm saying I'm not going to sing it, but when he says, love's in your eyes, eyes never lie. Don't rush the feeling. You've got me reeling. That whole piece, of, I could, I love the way he sings that. It just, it works. And it's it's a well done track. It's just something, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just wasn't feeling it. And to this day, I have to compare it to the rest of the album. And there is... Some of the little somewhat well-known jam slow song later on that really trumps this and any other slow song he'll probably ever bring out. And that's bad for this track as far as scoring goes. So for me, it just kind of hiccuped a bit. A great song, just not up to par with what else is on this album. And comparative to the album, this is a seven. It's all right. It's just not, it's just not something that was so well received by me. All right, moving right along. Uh, next up is Hot Thing. Big, sexy, and sack. What's your thoughts? You know, I know I'm going to get some blowback on this one, but I did enjoy the song initially. Then I saw the film, and mm-hmm. Brooks and Stafford have just ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, I can't stand them. A sweet, sticker thing. Really? That's what you bring to the party, man? Thing. No. They're fucking useless. They're wow. they're almost as bad as Tony M. Wow. And the song, I just can't get those two out of the visual. Now, getting back to the studio version, I can see it being a song where you you're at the club, you see a you know a young young lady who just who just turned twenty one, and you roll up, you know, barely twenty one. What's up? And had a good groove to it. 
Now, musically, when Cat starts to dance on the film version, the band starts to stretch out a bit, and there, there brings it back to me. But every time I hear that song, I think of I don't know, I don't know who is who, Brooks or Stafford, but the one with the, the furry hat, I just want to smack him upside his head. That's you Brooks. Know, Brooks, smack somebody, <laughs> smack him. You know, and just other than that, they have like taken a lot of the fun out of the song for me with that one performance of it. Damn. All right. Wow. Uh, well, hot thing for me, I, I really liked this song at the time. I was all into, you know, the faster type stuff. But today, I, I don't know, the song doesn't necessarily hold up to me very well. And it's funny that uh, when Prince recently came here uh, earlier this year, they did this song, uh, you know, during the uh, sample part. But then the band actually jumped in and took over and like it really went into it the first time I really heard it like that. And it, it was cool. And in, a, in a club, obviously, you see them live doing it. It was amazing. But I am more so a version of the 12 inch version mm-hmm. because there is additional guitar stuff. That I don't know why it's not on the album, but I was like, that, okay, yeah, like that's the jam. You kind of the rock sort of guitar stuff soloing, but that song to me is okay. In the span of the entire albums, I look at it right now. You could cut this song off of it, and I wouldn't miss it. Oh, that's my opinion. Wow, oh, Sean, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that one, that that one hurts me. <laughs> um, as of right now, this is probably the most played song uh, on the album for me. Uh, that is is the best hook on the album. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, that is just I could just listen to that that opening even before he sings, just that opening beat. I mean, my uh, reason why it's the most played song right now is my my eight year old. She loves this song. I was just listening to it one day, and she I just hear her in the kitchen, hot thing. So. I put it on her little playlist, so I, I get to hear it all the time, and it's kind of funny hearing her sing these lyrics. But that's <laughs> that's that's another thing. Um, this is one that I'm kind of glad he's kind of kept kept bringing back to the live setting. Uh, once again, the movie version uh, takes it up a notch uh, with the organ uh, at the beginning, and um, I think though on this one the ending kind of stretches a little too much for me. Um, the scatting and whatnot that that kind of I don't like that part of it. Uh, this is one that I actually on my I keep mentioning my old configuration. I actually faded this one out about a minute or so uh, before it actually ends on the album, just for because I didn't like most of the ending and for uh, for space purposes also. But for me, this is probably one of the highlights of the album, or at least the the first the first record, um, without a doubt. Right, they dropping. Yeah, it's funny you guys have mentioned different things that actually pretty much uh, uh, is my take on this. Um, Sean, you mentioned the the beat to this day. I'll still, you know. On my desk at work, you know, just for no reason, I'll, I'll break into that beat to start tapping it um, because it's, it's, it's so infectious. But unfortunately, unfortunately for me, this uh, track suffers from what musically was presented from the Sign of the Times album and what, what, and what was a far superior, as, as, uh, as Michael mentioned, 12-inch. 
this is one of those times when the 12 inch should have been there as opposed to the edit. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes prints will make that mistake and you, he, where you're like, man, you should have put the 12 inch on when you, when you didn't. And this is one of those times. And because of that, I think it suffers. There's more to behold in the 12 inch version of this album of this track. I'm sorry. And uh, because of that, it, it, I can't, give it any more than a seven as well so this is a, a solid seven it's a solid seven but it it really could have been better had it been the 12 inch all right and uh getting to the last i'm sorry did uh big sexy did you get in on this one? Oh yeah okay yeah. <laughs> excuse me so uh last song on this side of the record and if you are having the cd version this be the last track on the disc i'm going to read a little bit here from this is uh, a must-own book, anybody interested in Prince, called Dance, Music, Sex, Romance. Prince, The First Decade by per- Pierre Nielsen. Per Nielsen. Where is Per Nielsen at? That's my question. <laughs> we need that guy. Um, but he, this uh, is a part about Forever My Life. Um, it is interesting. I'm just going to read the whole paragraph, unfortunately. Bear with me. With the Dream Factory project shelved, Prince's studio work continued unabated. In July and early August of 1986, he taped The Ball, one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, Hot Thing and Forever in My Life in his home studio. Forever in My Life features an interesting vocal arrangement created purely by mistake. After laying down an LM1 drum machine beat and recording his background vocal, Prince asked Rogers, Susan Rogers, uh, which is his engineer, to mute the vocal so he could put the lead vocal on top of it. However... When he had finished the recording and played the song back in the control room, they realized that the lead vocal had entered a couple of bars too late and was lagging behind the background vocal all the way through. Quote, but it sounded great and we were very happy with with it, so we kept it, says Rogers. The song was recorded when he was engaged to Susanna and he was realizing it would be forever. (coughs) He was comfortable with that thought. With that said, forever in my life, is one of the, my opinion, Prince classics. And uh, I just love this song. Again, it's just a beat, and it's all about the vocals to me. Uh, it's just amazing how he did the vocals. Obviously, it was a mistake, but it, it worked. The only thing I can say bad about this song is I wish they didn't fade it out. Oh, I was going to say that same yep, thing. That's, that's all I was going to say, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I, I would hope... I don't know when, whenever we get around to the anniversary or remaster, you know, special edition version, you know, whoever does this, whenever, hopefully I'm alive when this happens, I hope they are able to extend and play us the the songs full out because I was so interested to hear where this song goes. You hear that guitar coming in and man, you'd be like, man, it's about to go down. And uh, that's all I can say. So um, big sexy, go ahead. Oh, excuse me. Now, just so I'm clear, I, I had a little brain hemorrhage there. We're, we're still on the last song, first side, second side, right? Yep, Forever, forever My Life. Life. You know, great song. There wasn't a lot of instrument, instrumentals in it. And again, this could have been something that would have blew up in the sampler set on the last, uh, on the last tour. And lyrically, it gets really heavy because we come from It and Slow Love, which is about the booty. And now we're in the, in the area, it's all about love and devotion. And just saying the word devotion, I'm thinking of weird science, where Anthony Michael Hall is in the bar, he's all, I'm talking devotion here. 
I'm like, that's that's what I'm hearing when I, when I hear this song, and oh, in the film version, he blew it up. It was that was one of those show stomping moments, you know, because he comes out with guitar and just starts letting it letting it go, and the and the late Bonnie Boyer put in her uh, her her mix onto it, and this was really a a just turning point in the in the concert. I have not heard it live myself in in person. I would like to hear it live. I don't think I ever will, but I agree. If there's more to it, I didn't know that there was more to it. So if there's more to this, if there's a reissue, let's get out there. Let's let's take a listen. All right, Mr. Sean Heal. All right. Uh I was fortunate. I actually did hear it live uh in LA for the musicology tour, the opening, uh, he did it, uh, doing the acoustic set. So that was kind of cool. Uh, there's so much, so much, so much to say about this song. I think at this point in his life and his career, this was probably the rawest. And when I say rawest, I don't mean dirty. I mean, just pure, pure emotion, just laid out. If you wanted to know what was in Prince's head or Prince's mind, this song does it. I mean, just, just the lyrics. I mean, I'll, I'll just read a portion of it. Uh, I'm here to tell you I'm at that road and I'd rather walk it with you than walk it alone. You are my hero. You are my future. When I'm with you, I have no past. I mean, come on. I, I mean, it just, it just doesn't get more true and honest than that. This isn't, this isn't a song that he just, you know, okay, I need a, I need a ballad here. Let me just, you know, write some stuff out. This comes from the heart. You can tell it. And I think that's probably why it's it's sparse, as, as uh, Big Sexy's been saying. It's sparse um, because you don't need all the embellishments to for the, the emotion of the song to come out. All you need is that beat, that lyrics, those lyrics, and his delivery. That's it. That's all you need. Um uh, this is a definite 10 out of 10. This is, again, one of my favorite songs on the album, one of my favorite Prince songs of all time. Um, there's just not enough words I could say to praise this track. All right. Day drop and bring us home. Yep. This uh, Forever in My Life was Vicky Waiting before Vicky Waiting was Vicky Waiting. Uh, in that it, it's, it's, it's profession of a love to, to a woman, in this case, Susanna, where Vicky Waiting was for Anna Fantastic. But you know, he's just professing his love to this to this woman, and the lyrics are so profound, as you guys have already mentioned. However, like Vicky Waiting, it suffers from what I consider the Vicky Waiting syndrome, in that it fades out too damn fast. Why it did that, I don't get. You could have just gone on, and I, and I just, I know, it's, I just know it's got to be good. With the guitar that's coming in and going on, it's got to be good. There's no way that that fails. So why isn't it there? You know, why isn't it there? And that that's that that Vicky waiting syndrome that plagues this track is what keeps it from being a 10. Other than that, it's a perfect track. But because it faded out way too soon and you know that the dude is a genius, that he's going to make it sound awesome, that that it, it leaves you waiting for more. And uh, because that has to get knocked down a notch. So this is a nine, a solid nine that should have been a 10, unfortunately. But just wasn't because of the fact that it faded out way too soon. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before. I believe it started with Around the World in the Day album. We mm-hmm. started fading his tracks on his records. He never did that before, the best of my knowledge. All the other previous albums, you pretty much heard the song. Uh, but yeah, you, 
I don't know. If, I don't know why. Maybe it's just considerations for radio or trying to fit the albums into some sort of thing. But yeah, this is just another example. There's a couple of songs on this album that do that. We'll get into that. Just they fade them. Um, so, and let me ask you guys this because we're uh, in the interest of time. So we've we are like an hour twenty or whatever. We've done this first part of this album. That's amazing in itself. Do you guys want to continue and do the second part? Or do you want to come back and do the second part as its own show as well? Let me put that out there now. I will bow to the majority. I'm I'm good either way. Okay. I think we should break right. it up. Okay. Uh, whatever's covered with me. Let's do that because I want to because I can see it's going to take some time to go through this material and we got to give this the proper you know uh speak through. So, we will save the other vinyl <laughs> For next week. So this is probably going to end up being a three-parter. But before we finish this, at least today, so far what we have talked about today. On one hand, a couple things I can say. This in itself could be an album. In today's Prince world, this would be an album that would blow down the doors. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? Just, I mean... If you go by even Ernie's song uh, points and, and Sean's, at least the first four or five tracks blow you down. Like, I mean, you, you could you can put out an EP that would blow most cats' career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I think that just this first part really shows is, like, how much of a master this guy <clears throat> was. Not only is he, you know, a, a great songwriter great lyricist he's a great um guitar player right on these songs he is a great beat maker on these songs he's a great funk guy on these songs there's so many things that have already just captured just on these first nine tracks alone that most cats do not have the ability to do on a record and let alone to do that at this level like even the song that I said you could take off like hot thing it still is on deck like it's it's on point if, if oh, anything yeah. See, that, for, that's, that's just my opinion Some, you, you, know, you said this is one of my favorite yeah. songs right hot thing is is seven here and what seven here would easily be ten for any other artist out and about so I mean that that tells you a lot right there man. Hot, people would I would think artists would love to be able to put together a hot thing yeah. You know, um, so I, I'm with you on that. I mean, just be, believe me, just because I give it a seven, don't make it bad. Because that's a seven compared to the rest of the Sign of the Times album, which is a masterpiece. So if you're getting sevens among masterpieces, then, then shit, you got some good stuff right there for a seven. That's yeah. like, you know. Well, you, you know, you know, it's funny, though, uh, as classic as, as disc one or album one is, the singles are on the second disc and album with the exception of sign of the times which is which is uh which is kind of interesting right yeah. yes 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 um yeah so well so yeah sign of the times i guess housequake well housequake was a, a b-side single i guess you could say yeah a double single um but uh of, of the songs on the first side there are absolutely no music videos <laughs> well i guess you argue you can argue sign of the times was a video but that's some, mm, that's some boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that, 
That was karaoke before karaoke was big time. Exactly. And let's just, I'm going to sort of jump the gun because that's going to have to be two weeks out. But in terms of this first part here, and just take this song, Sign of the Times, the fact that there was no music video for that first track could kind of show you, I didn't think about it at the time, I wasn't thinking on that level, but there's some problems going on without, I mean, why, why is there not a video? And I understand like, I want the song to be its own thing. But knowing the history behind how this album came to be, I could see, I would, if I was Warner Brothers, I would have been so like, whoa, like, what, why is he doing this? We need to have that visual to go along with this track. Yeah, the song's going to still be what it is. But I just think the overall, and I always talk about this in the show, it's like Prince's engagement with his fan base and the audience, it really seemed to be missing when there was nothing to go with it. Uh, and the, yes, the music speaks for itself, but we've brought up numerous times that it wasn't until we saw that performance or... You know what I mean? That we saw him do this, that the shit really just sort of came alive for us. And I really feel like part of the reason why Signing Times wasn't as big as it should have been, because from the gate, his engagement really should have been there from day one with the video. Whether it was a performance video or whatever, it should have been something there to back that up because they go hand in hand, particularly in that time and day. It was all about music videos. Looking at it now, like, man, yeah, that's not good. But what's your guys' opinion? Well, from my understanding, he, he wasn't happy with having to trim it down from the from the triple uh, LP uh, epic that he wanted to, to what it ended up being. So I think that's part of the reason why. And, I mean, as far as the videos go, if you think about it, uh, You Got the Look was filmed – as part of the sign of the times tour, I think, or, or at least, uh, yeah. a, pre- a prep for it. And then I could never take the place of your man was taken directly from the movie. So in actuality, he really didn't do any videos, uh, for this album. I, I just, just from the different accounts that I read, I honestly just think that his heart wasn't in it anymore. I mean, it, you know, having to get rid of crystal ball, the, the song, itself i think for him that was kind of because he felt that that was you know his his masterpiece having to to drop that and you know just drop the other stuff it wasn't the vision that he had originally had you know set out to to make i mean of course what we end up with is still a classic but he probably felt that it could have been more and so he was just being his, you know, usual bratty self and <laughs> saying, I didn't get my way, so I'm not going to I'm not going to promote it here. You promote it. Yeah, I, I definitely do think there was probably was some sort of I didn't get, you know, yeah, I don't want to go along with this so that I'm not going to give it my all, which is, again, I I probably would have felt the same way. But I'm just saying from a fan outsider standpoint. Oh, no, I agree you know, with it's you. It's just yeah. like, man, I wish that. uh that would have been there because obviously you just look at the cover and there's a story to tell. He's obviously got a very great concept and vision behind this thing. Uh, and yeah, you, the tour obviously is going to show you that. And even the movie shows you that it's just that we got that movie. What? Nine months after the record had been out. It was a little late, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, these are amazing tracks so far. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, or part of it, is that he didn't have a band at this point. You know, he hadn't really assembled the Sign of the Times, you know, Love Sexy band yet. So when the first single comes out, there's really no way to really showcase it because in a performance piece, that is, because well, everybody's gone. No, they had a band. Yeah, he had the band. Remember, the band, they, they, they did they did a, a performance at, uh, you know, they always call it for those on value. That's right. You're right. You know, that was that was in March. That March was either right. just yeah. when well, the single had just came out or was about to come out. But obviously, they had already got a show together for that album. You know, so they had a band. I completely forgot that. You're absolutely right. That was yeah. a great performance too. Yeah, classic, right? Classic. Which which performance is that, Mike? The one, uh, the preview, sign of times performance at First Avenue. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's. I forget about that. I mean that yeah. that. Uh, I used to have that on vinyl. That was like one of the first bootlegs I ever had. And I had it on vinyl. <laughs> that's, that's the. Uh, is that the for those of you on value? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. And he could have easily, you know, I would. If this Michael Dean, you can be in charge of my whole. Th- I, I would have been like, listen, <laughs> we're going to take the performance of Strange Relationship, and we're going to put that to radio because we're about to shut the game. I mean, that. I don't, if you obviously that performance of Strange Relationship is so hot. Mm-hmm. It's just not even funny. Like it's just that's it's like this is somebody said. Why do you like Prince? Uh, oh yeah, go ahead and play that right there. That's it, man. All right, any Mike, final? Go ahead. Any final words? Mike, in this yeah, first let me part? ask you this: When we talk about other media and things, you know, related to Sign of the Times, I think if we're not going to, I think we should talk about that performance because now that you've mentioned it, I'm going to watch it the minute I hang up the phone. Yeah, we can definitely talk about it because it is a, I mean, obviously we didn't have it back then, but now that we do have access to that, that performance to me is a part of this album. Like it's a it part is. of that whole, comp, yeah. you know, that whole thing. And it's just a head bust. You, you're, he's doing those songs. This is the first time the public is hearing those songs. First time he's performing them in the public. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's smoking. And it was so fresh, obviously for them too, it was so fresh. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a it's a shutdown moment, <laughs> and which is, and I and we can sort of we're sort of jumping gun a little bit, but again, it's so far out. But again, con- live performance wise, for this album, if only America would have got to experience it properly, yes, it would have been a different story. I think it would have totally yes. been different. You see how Europe took. It was like, what? And, it, you know, probably sold more records over there. It started to become very insanely popular over there because they got to see the vision. They got, it's like, okay, this guy, he's on some different, whoa. And we saw glimpses, glimpses of it. You know, he did the MTV thing. And I'll be honest, as much as I liked that performance, I kept, was like, man, why, why does, like, Housequake, if he did Housequake, it would have been over. Oh, man. It would have been so old. Like, yeah. They would have said, you know what? Yeah. Whoever was the host, Adam Curry, would have had to come out and say, listen, um, we're going to go ahead and shut the show down. Because <laughs> it's over. You can't, we can't, nobody can, can come up you here. You can't follow it. Yeah, you can't follow it. It's over. Good night. You know, he would have, that would have been over. Uh, I agree. That would that would have been Queen at Live Aid all over again. And America yes. would have been able, people yes. would have been able to see, like, this is the guy we haven't seen in a few years. Like, God damn. Like, he would have just dropped, he would have yeah. just dropped the mic. 
<laughs> you know, go by I, the record. It would have been his. It would have been his Billy Jean. Yeah, I I show the I've shown the movie uh, to to people recently, and they just go wow, and I'm like yes, <laughs> you should have seen it in '87 <laughs> when it came out versus 2013. Actually, uh, it was it it was released uh, 26 years ago on the 20th, so we just wow. missed the anniversary by three days. Wow, uh, and you know the that's yeah. interesting that movie. Is so brilliant, but I think, and again, the only thing is, you know, nobody got to see it. Nobody got to see it, yeah. You know, and it was like he had probably the thing that would have took his career to the next level, but unfortunately, the way it was released, and coming off of the failure of Under Cherry Moon theater movie, nobody was going to was going to be able to see that. And I think if he just took that perform took a performance off of that, and his greatest sign of time, you know, I'm. I just think that those songs, they're not like um, drop the mic moments in terms of the, the live performance part. Uh, like he could have done, like I said, he could have did Housequake. He could have did Beautiful Night. Uh, and they did it on TV. It would have been, like I said, it would have been on the level of, like when he did Baby I'm a Star. Star, yep. Exactly. On the Grammys mm-hmm. or whatever that was. I mean, it was like drop the mic moments. Like, oh, okay. And just like Michael Jackson, he did Billie Jean. It's like, drive, oh, okay. go get the, let me go get this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right, though. You're right. All right. Um, he did blow up the Grammys. Oh, woo, I remember that. Yeah, that was that was hot, man. That was, and he did like, he did mm-hmm. what? Was it uh, started with, uh, did it just go right into Baby I'm a Star? Did yeah, it was do, Baby I'm a Star. That was the one he hit himself in the head with the mic. Yep. The mic, yeah. Yep. And then he brought, <laughs> yeah, right. and he had, I mean, brought out Jerome and, I mean, it was the same performance from the, the tour, but I mean, we got everybody got to see it. Got to see it exactly. And it was just like, whoa, okay, this that was, was a that show. was the height of, of Prince Mania at that point. Yeah, yeah, and well deserved. You know, um, all right. So that was disc one, side A and B. And a preview of week three. Yeah, week three is coming. Week three. So next week we will do disc two, and if that one goes as long as this one. The week three, we will really go into the other media and tour and the different performances, 12 inches, the look of it, the band, all of that. And we'll talk about why did we get signing times and didn't get the other stuff and what does it mean? So, all right, um, before we get out, Mr. Day dropping, any last words? How do people reach you? Uh, you know what? My, my, my thoughts on this, on the first album, Masterpiece, good stuff. And I remember when I first heard this, it wasn't. I I've yet to hear it on vinyl, and I I, I hope one day I will, uh, just for the sonic differences. Um, and w- when I but when I had it on CD, once I got to the second CD, wow, uh, I was ready for the second CD. By the time I was done with the first one, it was I was I was spent. And then I still had the second one to go. I still had some gems, a few more gems to listen to. Great stuff, and I, I couldn't wait to get CD too. All right, Sean Hill. I, I echo that sentiment. Uh, disc one, album one, great. I'm ready to get into part two. <laughs> Big sexy and sack. You know, uh, I got I got to shout out Big Ken. How you doing, Ken? Because he's the, he's the big vinyl head among all of us, mm. and Michael and Ken have turned me on to downloading music and i found the company hd tracks that has done all the print stuff 
up to parade in high resolution. I am waiting on their doorstep like a lost puppy for the sign of the times high resolutions. When that comes out, it will be ecstasy. I can't wait for that. And, you know, revisiting this album, I'm going to revisit that performance. You know, when I get back from, you know, running around today, it just takes me back to being a sophomore in college. A great time and great music. Great music all the way around. All right. And uh, I pretty much just co-signed everything they said. Uh, leaving, there's a, there's a couple of changes and new things I want to throw real quick when we're out of here. So first of all, I want everybody to be sure to go to podcastjuice.net. Um, go to our Facebook page and like the page. It's the click. That's all you got to do. We're trying to build up a bigger presence. Um, so we need everybody's help to do that. The other thing that we have, if you go on the site, on the side there, it says donate your account. And this is a great way to help spread the word about your favorite podcast. And all you got to do is when it says donate your account, you basically give us permission to use your Twitter or Facebook. So every time that Podcast Juice puts a post on the Podcast Juice page, it's like, hey, we, you know, the new web, excuse me, the new episode of the Prince Podcast, and here's what it's about. It'll just show up on your timeline, and you don't have to do anything. I mean, we're not going to spam your uh, timeline or anything of that matter, but at least it's a cool way to share the show with your friends, and hopefully they'll see it and say, oh, let me check this out. So if you can, go on there and donate your account to Podcast Juice. It's a great way to support sites, spread the word. And with that, we will see you next week on the Prince Podcast. Peace.